Good morning, Austin Oaks Church. Glad to see you on this beautiful fall day. Say, yeah, I like that. It's like, you know, we start to cheer for those things. I looked up north. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, this is therapy for me, so just hang with me here, right? It's snowing up there. I'm just like, it sucks to be you guys. Anywho, um, so that way we know where Jesus is. He's down here because it's, it's snowing up there. So it's just, okay, that was a joke. Um, um, anywho, just let you know, if you're a guest or visiting with us, we want to let you know that we're church that strives to be simply about Jesus, because we want to see every generation made alive in him, because when you encounter him, it's a game changer. And if you've been with us for the last few weeks, we've been in this series called Church for Monday, and our heartbeat on this series is to close the gap between what happens on Sunday to the rest of our lives, what happens on all the days between Sundays. And so we've been talking about a lot of different issues and a lot of different things, and this is a great uh, thing we want to build into our culture because the reality is, right, when we start thinking about our primary calling, our primary calling isn't your job, it's not the relationships you're in, even though those are all important, those are secondary callings to your primary calling, which is to follow Jesus. Those are all the environments by which you live those out. And so one of the things we want to do here at Austin Oaks Church is to help us think that if you're a follower of Jesus, right, you're in full-time ministry, that is your vocation, is to be a disciple of Jesus. And so some of the things that we want to do after these series is we want to kind of interview some of you and ask questions like, what does your Monday look like? Where has God placed you on Monday? And how you can follow Jesus? What are the joys and the challenges of living out that calling? And how we can come alongside of you and pray for you? And I thought, hey, what a better way to start that than by asking um, someone who's really near and dear, not just to my life, but also to the life of this church, to the city of Austin, to our denomination, and around the world. And so um, I want to introduce to you to someone really special to me and to this church. And if you haven't been with us uh, for more than two years, if you're new to Austin Oaks Church, um, I want to introduce you to a man who is phenomenal. His name is Pastor Rob Harrell. Uh, you can come on up. Um, <laughs> So this man has faithfully served this church for over 26 years. He served it with great passion, fervor, diligence, inspiration. He's been part of um, God using him to help many people come to faith in Jesus, to grow in their faith. God has used him to develop leaders, to send out leaders in different churches and around the world. God has used him in powerful ways within our denomination, and God has used him around the world. And God is so far, he's not even near done with this man. Um, even though he's resigned and, and maybe even thinks and entertains in himself that he's retired, we know better he is not retired. And it really is a joy and honor for me to be up here with him. And one of the things that I've asked Rob since I've been here is going, when you move into a new place, your, your community is kind of gone. And so I was like, Rob, I need a pastor. Would you be my pastor? And so it's really honoring and humbling to be here with Rob. And so I wanted Rob to share a little bit about what God has called him to now. What does his Monday life look like? And so Rob, could you share with us what you're up to these days? Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Brandon. And uh, Before I even begin, I have to say I'm, how proud I am of Brandon. Uh, yeah. And uh, also, what a uh, tug on my heart to see all of you here. 
on a Sunday morning like this. It's such a joy to be here. Uh, as most of you know, uh, I stepped down from the senior pastor role a couple years ago and started a ministry called Austin Global Ambassadors. And it has a website, you can go there, it's all one word, austinglobalambassadors.org. And uh, what the ministry is, is uh, inspiring men to be fearless ambassadors for Christ's kingdom in their spheres of influence. So what we want to do is we want to help men really be men on mission, where, where you look forward to a legacy, what really is important, how do things really matter. And so in the Christian world, I, I still do a lot of things. I mentor and I preach and I consult and I travel uh, all over the place, uh, uh, locally, nationally, and internationally. Uh, I'm responsible in Austin for Pastors in Covenant. We have about 153 pastors in 22 pastoral covenant groups where they can share their heart so they can finish strong. And uh, I'm, I'm still doing all kinds of things around the world in that Christian kind of world. But in the business world, what I do is I, I like to come alongside men, and I like to open their minds to seeing Matthew 25. Like, what do you see? Do you see people in need? Do you see people who are hungry and thirsty? And what is your mission in that? Not just to give money, but what is it God wants you to do to finish strong in that world. So we, we take them uh, on, on a journey. Uh, we take them on international trips. Uh, we do things in Austin, put them in small groups so they can talk about what it means to have something of a legacy, to finish strong. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm ministering uh, both in the church world, as it were, but also in a broader world of uh, businessmen around the world. That's awesome. What are some of the joys and challenges that you've been experiencing and facing now? Yeah. So the biggest challenge, of course, is trying to figure out where to spend my time. I mean, it's, there's, I could be filled up uh, every single day all the time because there's so much need. So that's certainly a challenge. But uh, one of the things I want to tell you, a story I asked Brandon, could I share it very quickly? So one of the things I do is I do preach a lot of different places. I do... I, speak at men's retreats, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, there's a book that Francis Schaeffer wrote called No Little People, No Little Places. You know that, right? And the point of that book was every single person matters to God. So I don't care what size the church is where I preach. I preach in churches that are large, but I also preach in little tiny churches of less than 100 people like Grace Gathering in Llano, Texas. Have you ever heard of it? Well, i got to tell you one story from it. I'm preaching there. Robert Durow, my buddy, drove out there with me. And, and I'm telling this story about finishing strong using the story of Caleb. You know that famous story where the two buddies, Joshua and Caleb, are dividing up the land. And Caleb says, hey, listen, my brother, you know how faithful I've been. Here I am, 85 years old now, but I'm as strong as I've ever been. I'm the same guy. I got all this strength that God gave me. And by the way, you're giving away land here, and I hear there's a place in the hill country where there's giants residing. And they're Anakim. And if God gives me strength, 
I'll drive them out. Drop the mic. And that's how I kind of ended the sermon. Kind of a, you know, big crescendo. And this old fella comes up. I find out he's 79 years old. And he comes up to the stage and he's there to close the service. He's got his guitar out and he can hardly stand still because he's got Parkinson's disease. He starts strumming a few chords. And then he stops. And he looks at me and he says, I'm Caleb. I'm Caleb. He was 85 and I'm 79. And I want to finish strong. Sacred moment. You could have heard a pin drop. And then he starts playing again. And he plays this closing song that he had written the day before. And then I asked him to play a couple more. He plays two more songs. We could have stayed there all day. Guess what? I find out that this man's name is Daryl Statler. You Google him, you'll find out he's written over 300 songs. Three number ones for George Strait. That's how big a deal he is. But he'd gotten away from the Lord, and he had started writing Christian songs And for the past four weeks at that little church in Lano, he's been closing the services. And he was supposed to do it today. And this morning, I got an email from the worship leader that said, I'm so sorry to tell you that Daryl passed away on Friday. So we're going to read the song that he wrote that he was going to play. That's my greatest joy. Is, is investing my life in such a way that a guy like Daryl Statler knows how to finish strong. That's what I love. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Love it. Well, Rob, how can we as a church come alongside of you and partner with you through prayer and other things? What, what can we do? Yeah, so that's, I really appreciate... <laughs> being able to share my prayer request. The first request, obviously, is I need to figure out how to spend my time and to sort through the priority, what's the best way to do it. Uh, the second request is there's a rumor that got started somewhere that I've retired. Not from me. Not from, not from Brandon. Uh, and uh, anyways, the, the ministry that I have founded is a faith-based ministry and just always praying for support. You all know how much I enjoy asking for support. So uh, if you would pray for that. And thirdly, uh, this is a personal thing. I had surgery on my ankle in July, and I think I must be getting older or something. Uh, it's not healing as fast as I've wanted. And if you would pray for those three things, yeah. that'd be good. Absolutely. Well, church, would you stand with me, um, with us, and just as a, a posture of just praying over him. Would you just extend your hand as we pray over our dear brother Rob this morning? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, here stands before us a Caleb. Um, someone who could have easily just have checked out, but realized that his calling is to follow you every moment, every second, every opportunity. And Lord, as now it feels like there's a blank canvas before him with a lot of options and things. Lord, would your spirit direct him every step of the way? Would you show him the great things from the good things? 
Lord, would you show him exactly where to invest his time, his heart, his energy? And Lord, we also ask that you would open up the gates of heaven and to bless him financially. Lord, would you start to stir it in people's hearts to come alongside and support the ministry and understanding that there's a bunch of other people, a bunch of other men in this world that need to have their eyes opened to the good and the influence that they can have for the kingdom of God. And Lord, we also pray that your hand of healing would be on Rob. Lord, would you remove the aches and the pains? Lord, would he in a few short days have that boot removed so that way he can function normally? Lord, we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Hey, let's thank Rob this morning. I appreciate you. I thought, you can, you can have a seat. I thought it'd be a really fun thing to um, bring Rob up and w- watch me walk off stage. <laughs> he didn't like that joke first service, but I was like, well, I think it'd be great. I don't mind having a day off and listening. Um, so this morning, obviously, we're going to try to consolidate this message. Uh, this morning's message, it's going to sound potentially self-serving, and you're going to understand that in a little bit. I'm going to talk about that. But as we've been saying all sermon series long, we all have a Monday. Every single one of us, we have a Monday. It's the context by which we do life. It's the relationships where we live. It's where we work. It's where we play. It's where we study, right? So I want to share with you a story about myself, and I don't understand why I have this inside of me, and I'm willing to bet that you do too at some level. Uh, But there's something inside of me that's a bit of a cynic or maybe even a a rebel, specifically when it comes to doctor's orders. I don't know what it is. And I think maybe I'm just like cynical because I'm like, you're just in it for the money, right? Like that's the way my brain just goes. It's like, oh, you want me to do this plan and this treatment and get this drug and this prescription? You're just milking me. That's all you're doing, right? And so nonetheless, I know they're in for our good. In fact, it's it's funny. One of my buddies from Winona is here, and he's an ER doc, and he's just looking at me, grinning right now. Um, and so, yes, it's true. So one time when I was playing basketball about 15 years ago, I had a fast break. I was cutting. I had an open layup. I made a hard cut, and my ankle just popped. Like, the whole gym hurt it. It just snapped. And, and it was like I thought it was broken. And, of course, I go to the ER, and the doctor said, listen, it looks like, you know, you, you potentially had MRI and all this. Because potentially, you, you know, you tore a ligament. And I was like, okay. And he goes, okay, here's what we need to do. We don't want to do surgery, but we want you to do physical therapy for about five to six weeks, and you got to wear this boot. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, okay. You know, so I did it for one week. I wore the boot, went to physical therapy, and I'm going, this is a waste of my time, right? They're telling me in physical therapy to do this. I'm like, I'm paying you like like, thousands of dollars. That's what it feels like just to you to tell me to move my foot up and down. Like really, so I got real cynical and I decided my opinion and my preference and my treatment plan is better than the doctor's because I know better. So I took the boot off and I started acting like life was normal, running around, all this kind of stuff. And to this day, 15 years later, my ankle is still swollen and it's still, it, it just, it can give out at any other, at any moment, you know, and it's just like, this was the price that I paid for ignoring the right treatment, for ignoring the right path. Now I know none of you do this. Okay? In fact, let's just be honest. We all do this. Here's a great example. Exercise. How many of you know that you should exercise? How many of you do the required exercise that your doctor tells you if you go to the doctor to have inside? What about our diet? 
Like we know we shouldn't eat the way we do. We know we should eat more vegetables and less grains and this and that and all those kind of things. But we still choose to have a bad diet because quite honestly, it's our preference. We do this in all sorts of areas, finances, relationships, etc., etc. Do we do this with church? Which with coming on Sunday morning. Like, yeah, going to Sunday is good, but maybe it, I don't really need it. What's the value add to it? Like, sometimes you don't understand the work week I had. It was really stressful. I need that couple hours of sleep. Or I got all these projects around the home, and if I don't get it, it's going to bother me all week, and so I'm going to take the time on Sunday to do it. Or I got sports. I got this. I like brunch. Right? I can't miss brunch. Like, whatever it is. Like, today, it seems like Sunday going to church is an option, right? And, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because here you are. I love it. It's good. But there's something powerful to understanding why we gather. And there's a, a concerning trend in American church today that is rather alarming in my perspective. So I stumbled, as I was researching this, I stumbled across an article from USA Today and they were looking at um, how certain groups of people are actually healthier and they live longer. And so this study comes up, and this is a fascinating article. It just came out like a year and a half ago. And this is what it said. If one could conceive of a single elixir to improve the physical and mental health of millions of Americans at no personal cost, what value would our society place on it? Going a step further, if research quite conclusively showed that when it's consumed just once a week, this concoction would reduce mortality by 20 to 30% over a 15-year period. How urgently would we want to make it publicly available? AOC, listen, this elixir is right around the corner. It's right there for every single American. Any guess what it is? Going to church. Isn't that fascinating? Like, this wasn't like a group of Christians. This was just researchers trying to identify certain trends and they discovered that being part of a faith-based community regularly produces physical and mental health. Now they weren't thinking about the God component, right? Now you start to think about it, did God have something in mind for his people to gather together? Is there things in scripture that speak into this? And it's overwhelmingly, yes, he does. Now, here's what I, I know to be absolutely true. I get it. Sundays are hard. We live in a world where there are so many things coming at you. It's fast-paced. We're so busy. We live in a culture that, one, no longer is really a Christian culture, so they don't you know, think that Sunday is a sacred thing. And so there's all these sports and activities and so many things that vie for your attention on Sunday. And all of a sudden, Sunday can turn into a negotiable. And well, if I miss Sunday, that's all right. It's online. I will check it out online. Which is a slippery slope in and of itself because eventually over time, you, you don't really watch it online. Sundays matter. It matters more than you realize. It's very important to understand this. Is going to church really an option? So let's ask a question that maybe might be in your head right now. Can you be a Christian and go to church? We, this is a question that was asked of me a lot in college ministry. College students would always say, it's like, why do we need to go to church? Can I, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Well, can you do that? Yes, you can. But is that the best option? Right? Like, think about it this way. 
can I still be married if I marry, you know, let's just say, I, you know, my, my spouse, I live on the other side of the world and I never talk to her again. Can I still be married to her? Yes. Is that the best option for a healthy, thriving marriage? I hope you say no. <laughs> right? It, it, it's like, can you not go to church? Yeah, you, you can choose not to. Is that the best option? No. You should be here because there's something important in understanding why we come here. Now, I want you to hear this clear. I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone, okay? I'm not trying to make you feel bad or whatever it is. But I want you to understand the importance of this and what Scripture says that this isn't my opinion. This is driven from the Word of God, okay? There's an alarming trend happening in American churches today. So like Gallup poll went around and started asking people, you know, would you consider yourself a regular churchgoer? And so they, went, they talked to people who said yes, then they would ask them, okay, if you're a regular churchgoer, how many Sundays a year would that be? And the answer was 12 to 15 Sundays a year have now defined someone who is a regular attender at church. That equates to somewhere between 1.2 to 1.4 Sundays a month. That's a drop within the last like five to six years from 2.5. Is that okay? Is that, like, are you able to live well on Monday? Like, this is really an important aspect because we're going to see in Scripture that we're actually told, we're exhorted, we're encouraged that all the more as the day comes, the end of the, the world comes, when Jesus comes back, we should be meeting more, not less. Very important. So here's the point of this morning. If you get anything else, I want you to grab this. And it's simply this. Your Monday needs a good Sunday. Your Monday needs a good Sunday. But Brandon, are we talking about being a church for Monday? So why are we talking about Sunday? Right? Yes, we're trying to close the gap from Sunday to Monday. Absolutely. But the reverse also works. We have to close the gap from Monday to Sunday. Your Monday needs for you to have a good Sunday. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, looking at verses 19 through 25 this morning. And in this passage, we're going to see the writer communicate three things, three things that are really important in light of the gospel. And these come in the form of an exhortation or a really strong encouragement. Because of this, you should this. Okay, so let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, this is a beautiful imagery because like in the Old Testament, the old way, there was a holy of holies and only the high priest could go in there once a year. But now because of Jesus, like this path, this way is completely opened up by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That is the first encouragement. Let us draw near. And he starts this passage out with this word, therefore. Okay, Hebrews 1 from chapter 10 to verse 18. It's basically it's been this picture of how Jesus 
is the Messiah, how Jesus is the sacrificial lamb, that he's one who's greater than Moses. He's the true Israel. He's done everything that the Old Testament has been talking about. His body was broken and his blood was shed. He did it for you. In other words, it's a recap of the gospel. That it's all about him and it's not about you. He died for you. You receive it by faith through his grace. And it's because of that we have access. And he goes, therefore, because of all of that, we have confidence. He's speaking to a crowd of people, assuming they have this confidence already that's rooted in the gospel. Because you know what Jesus has done, you have confidence that there's this new and living way that you can approach the throne of God's grace at any time, at any moment. Not because of you, but because of him. So because of that, let us draw near. This is a reasoned confidence. And a lot of times, let's just be honest, on our, in our Monday worlds, when life comes, when the pressures come, when the emails come, when the text messages come, when the workload comes, when the kids come, when the neighbors are annoying, we can easily forget the gospel. And then let's just say we slip into performance mode. We start to think, okay, how do I not get back to God's grace? It's like, do I have to earn it? Do I have to prove it? Do I have to show him that somehow I'm good enough, that, that I'm worthy of his love again? Or is it just because of Jesus? This is a reasoned confidence. And a lot of times when we live our faith out in isolation on our own, we lose sight of this confidence. But there's something that's powerful that happens when we gather together here to hear the gospel story again. This is a reasoned confidence. It's a logical confidence. Just like Paul would say in Romans 8.31, right? This is a great rhetorical question. And he asks, he's like, okay, what then shall we say to these things? And he's speaking again about the gospel, what Jesus has done. If God is for us, who can be against us? He's like, answer that question. That's a reasoned confidence that we should have. And he continues in verse 32, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? It leads you to answers like, yeah. If God's for us, nothing could be against me. Like, if he gave me his son, like, he won't leave me. He won't forsake me. He won't deny me. He's not going to... That's a confidence that's there. And because of that gospel confidence we are exhorted to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So here's the way I'm saying it this morning. You need Sunday because your Monday needs acceptance. You need Sunday because your Monday needs acceptance. Now here's what I mean by that. When you walk out of here, you are going to walk back into a world that is going to put pressure on you. Conform to this. Meet this standard, validate yourself, prove yourself, earn this. We fight and strive to be accepted. Our pride gets stroked, our insecurities get poked, and all these things start to happen. We turn into this mess. We start to think that I have to earn my value. i got to try to strive to be something. What's my identity? Who am I? And all this kind of stuff. And then not only that, our culture is screaming at people, accept yourself. Accept yourself. Oh, and accept other people, which sounds great. And I'm not trying to like say like, hey, let's be against people. I'm not saying that. But the reality is our heart is deceitful. 
Like, how can we accept ourselves when our hearts are leading us astray all the time? When we start to accept ourselves, we're accepting the wrong things. And, like, how can we truly accept other people? Because we're all striving other things. The only true acceptance comes is through Jesus Christ. We have to understand this. And a lot of times, let's just be brutally honest, okay? A lot of times on Monday, we lose sight of the gospel. We lose sight of what he's done for us. And that confidence gets a little shaky. And we, even there, spiritually, we start to think that somehow I got to earn my acceptance back with him. But there's something powerful that happens when we gather together. You need Sunday because your Monday needs accepted. You need to be reminded here that it's not about your performance. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how faithful you are. It's not about any of those things. You are who you are by the grace of God. You are a son, daughter of the king of the universe. And he loves you just because he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always hear you. He's faithful and just when you come to him to cleanse you of all sin and unrighteousness. Like, that's his heart. So therefore, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our conscience cleansed, the guilt removed. Do you know how beautiful it is to start out your work week, your normal days, living from a posture of I am who I am because of the grace of God? I don't have to prove myself to anyone. I don't have to please others. You're free to serve. You're free to love. Folks, your Sunday needs, your Monday needs a good Sunday. But not only that, look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Yeah, like, when I was reading this verse, I'm like, okay, why did he say this? Like, why, why did he feel the need to write this exhortation so strong and the language is really strong like hold fast like we're talking like you're hanging on for dear life you're white knuckling you're not going to let go for any reason and if he's exhorting them for this it should tell us that like we could lose that like like we could choose to not be so resolved to hang on to the hope that we have in Christ. Like, obviously, their Monday world was challenging the hope that they had, that they were tempted to let go. Not to mean they would lose their salvation or anything like that, but it's just like they would lose focus. They would lose sort of their commitment to following Jesus. And here this author is saying, it's like, listen, no, you hold fast to the confession, to the hope that you have. Folks, you need Sunday because your Monday needs hope. And praise the Lord, okay? Praise the Lord that our hope is grounded not in our faithfulness. It's not grounded in our effort. It's grounded in His faithfulness. We can rest in His goodness, and we should have the resolve to stand fast in the faithfulness of Jesus. Now, I want to be honest with you, because here's what it's like sometimes for me. Like, I feel like my Monday world, even though, like, yeah, I'm a pastor, and you think, like, my walk with Jesus should be impeccable, and there's never any flaws in my life, and then, like, God and I are, like, right here all the time, and I'm feeling goose pimples, and I'm on the mountaintop all the time. That is just not true. 
Like for me, I think about like being filled with the hope, kind of like, like a bucket full of water. And what I've began to realize in my life is that there's a bunch of little holes in the bottom of that bucket. And if I'm not careful, or if I'm not inten- attentive to that, it will slowly leak out. And it, my, my bucket will slowly run out. And when I start to realize that, like when I start to feel like I'm, I'm running on fumes or being burnt out or like I'm just spiritually empty, it's usually because like discouragement has come. And when I bump into discouragement, it's like that just drilled a hole in my bucket or I feel like I have to like meet this deadline and strive to be this. Or even at other times when like I start to feel overwhelmed, like it's all on me. If I don't do a good job, the, the whole church is going to fall apart and all these kind of things. Or when I get distracted, I lose a, a, my focus of why I do what I do. All these things create little holes in the bottom of the bucket and it just starts to, to drain. And so when, I don't know about you, but for me, I start to go, okay, let me fix it. Let me patch it up. And so I put little tape on the bottom of this bucket, scotch tape, because that holds water really well, right? We do it in our own efforts. Like, I got to work harder. I got to try harder. I got to do this a little bit more. I got I to, you know, and I get myself worked up and I get overworked and I get overstressed. And then if that's not working, well, guess what then I end up doing is I start to fill that bucket up with other things besides the hope of Christ. Here's what I discovered. I will always have a leaky bucket. You need to understand this. You will always have a leaky bucket. You will always leak. And if you're not filling up that bucket with the hope of Christ, it will go empty, right? And you can only do so much on your own. You can only fill up that bucket so much on your own. Yes, you do it by spending time in the Word alone and prayer alone and and worship alone. Absolutely, those are things. But the reality is, if left to ourselves, and we're not engaging with other brothers and sisters in Christ, let's just be honest, our natural disposition to ourselves is selfishness. There are times when I come to church, even though I'm preaching, I don't like, I just feel empty inside. I feel dry inside, like my spirit is just parched. And there's times when like we start to sing and, and I don't want to sing. Because I feel like I just don't have it in me. And like, even times there's like this little edge I have towards God. Like, God, why are you doing this to me? Like, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? Where, where are you? But yet, I still need to be here. And there's these moments where all I need and all I want is for you to sing over me. It's for you to, to, to celebrate the hope that you have. Because when I see your hope, it does something to me. It stirs me up. In other words, like, I need you to fill up my bucket sometimes. Just like sometimes you need us to fill up your bucket. Yes, with Jesus, but like, absolutely, we need to do this together because look at how the, the author writes this next in verse 24. And let us, plural, let us, church, consider, think carefully about, analyze, look into, how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This church, these group of believers are facing persecution and opposition. And obviously because the the encouragement that the author wrote here was something that they were being tempted with. They were tempted with the, to give up meeting with each other. Maybe it came at a social cost that like, if I have been seen to go to church or known that I'm a Christian, 
maybe I will face greater persecution or opposition. I don't know what it is. But it's the same temptations that we face today. Well, come on. Some of, like, if we were honest, like, we're here. Some of us want to be here. But I'm willing to bet there's some of you who don't want to be here. And I'm willing to bet that on Saturday evening, it's easy to calculate if you should go or not go on Sunday. I've got to watch a few more episodes tonight. Oh, it's not Communion Sunday. I don't have to go. Look at how this is written. Let us consider. Like, we need to consider. We need to think about how we can stir one another up. And this word stir is so awesome. Like, some translations use the word spur. Like, spur one another on. And I immediately think of, like, spurs on the boots. I'm like, bam! Right? Like, but the word is like agitate. Let us think about how we can agitate one another, stir one another up, irritate one another, right? That's kind of the idea, not in a negative sense. This isn't like, hey, we'll go to church and sing some songs. Like, no, this is like, come on, we got to do this. For what reason? To draw near to God so that we can hold fast to the hope, but also to stir us up for love and good deeds. You can't be stirred up to love and to do good deeds when you're alone because there's no one there to stir you up. Like, that's profound. We need each other. So think about it this way. When I hear this, this is what comes to my mind. Your Sunday, you need Sunday because your Monday needs you. You need Sunday because your Monday needs you. As we've been saying, the mission of the church doesn't end here. Right? The stirring up for love and good deeds, yeah, that happens within the family of God, absolutely. But it's also meant to happen out there. We live in a world that is dark, and we're called to be lights in this world. And so when we gather together, when we face the opposition and the hostility out there, when we start to feel like our hearts are being pulled away and tugged away where it's easy to, to almost let go and slip up our grip on the hope, we need to come together to hear the gospel story again, to have that confidence renewed in us again, and to stir one another going, yes, we need to go back out there to tell the world about Jesus. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. This trend of church attendance should be reversed. Instead of declining today, it should be inclining today. In our household this week, we kind of had this sobering reality. Our oldest faced some pretty strong persecution in school this week. I'm not going to tell you the story or like what it was, but it was kind of heart-wrenching and eye-opening. Just thinking about that. Her friends are coming at her over an issue and they're just grilling her, interrogating her. Why would you think this? Why would you believe this? Why won't you love them? And this and this and this. And you know, her answer is, well, because the Bible says so. And this is what you know, is pleasing to God. And, you know, and Jesus loves them and all this kind of stuff. And it was so hard because these are her good friends. And, you know, and, and she came and told us that she ended up going to the bathroom to cry because it was just so hard. And, and you know, my wife, who's amazing, got to remind her about the gospel and Jesus. And, just, and that got the opportunity to talk to her and say, listen, 
Jesus even told us that we're blessed when we're persecuted for his name's sake. And talking through all of these things and just hearing her say to me about like how she's thankful for their church community and her Christian friends because she also has a heart. This is not because mom and dad are awesome parents. It's because God's got her heart. And she's like, I want them to know Jesus too. And I'm facing this thing and I'm just like, that's why we come together is to be reminded of what we have in Jesus, to draw near to Jesus because he understands the world we live in, to hang on to that hope and to stir one another up, to go, okay, we can go back out there. We got to tell people about Jesus and the message. It's awesome. Sunday is way more important than you realize. It's not just an optional thing. So, how do we get the most out of our Sundays? Because some of you might be thinking, Sundays, Brandon, that's a great strategy. Sundays are boring. That's mean. <laughs> I mean, we, we strive as a staff. Like, like, I mean, just ask Rob. 26 years of wrestling and striving and struggling how to make Sundays the best environment to stir up the flock for love and good deeds. We try to make it the best, but we can only do so much because the reality is there's a choice that you all have to make as well when you come. And so I want to, I want to share with you three things that we can do to make Sundays better, to help us to live out our Mondays well on, on, on all the days between Sunday. The first one, this is, this is so... Um, wise, show up. Show up. Now, hear me again. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to shame you. I understand the pressures that are there to which some of you are thinking, no, you don't. You're a pastor. You have to be here. You're right. But my wife doesn't. And when we got young kids who are engaged in sports and activities and all these things, and like I said, we live in a culture that no longer reveres Sunday. And so there's a lot of sports and club activities and all these things. And you've got to make a decision. What do you do? It's hard. I understand that. I get that. But you really do need to show up. You've got to start asking yourself this question. Is it really optional? Can your Mondays really survive without a good Sunday? Is one Sunday a month enough? Okay. I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to, to guilt trip you, but I want to challenge you with something. Like what if, what if you were just to come every Sunday for the next two months? Not like most Sundays, but every Sunday. As far as you're able, because I get some things that might be on your calendar and all this kind of stuff. I get that. But try it. What would change in your Monday world if you showed up every Sunday for the next two months? Find out. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to go deep. When I talk about this, going deep, I'm not talking about necessarily like going deeper in the Word and trying to get to the meat and study more. I'm talking about the concept that church, <coughs> church is only as good as the relationships you build. Yeah, you can come in here, you can come in those doors, sit down, sing some songs, hear a sermon, sing some more songs, and walk out. You could do that. And that's, that's your Sunday experience. But the reality is, it's that and going deep in relationships. To be part of a small group of people. So I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, join a small group. 
Because that's where you really get to share your hearts and concerns and life with other people. Join an adult Bible fellowship that meets on Sunday. We have groups and sizes and locations and times for every single person that's here. If you want to get the most out of a Sunday, you have to give the time and the effort and the work to build relationships within the church. And last, you got to look wider. You got to look wider. When you come in on a Sunday morning, You've you got to look beyond yourself. Look for other people. Look for people you haven't met before. Shake their hands. Smile at them. Tell them how glad you are here. If you see them in need or lost or wandering around on campus, help them out. Invite them to lunch, to coffee. Invite them to your small group. Be hospitable. Look beyond yourself. Because you know what happens is when we model that behavior here, it starts to reflect when we get out there because the reality is we are entering into a world that is longing to find acceptance and they don't know where to go and they need to understand that it's Jesus. They're looking for hope. They don't know where to go. We need to help them understand that hope can be only found in Jesus. That's why we go. Your Monday needs a good Sunday. And this morning is a great morning to be reminded of the gospel story. Because now we're going to have this opportunity, this moment to worship the Lord, to sing together, to hear our voices singing out to God and hearing the gospel truths being sung over us. An opportunity just to pray and ask God, align my heart. Speak to my heart. Help me to see this right. Search me and know my ways. But yet what's awesome is that in a little bit later in the service, we get to come together to his table, the Lord's table, to celebrate communion, which is this remembrance of the gospel. So we have this confidence because of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active and it speaks to our hearts in ways that only you can. Lord, I ask that you would stir in our hearts a compelling vision for Sunday. That it's more than just a cultural thing that we do. It's really the way we are equipped. One of the ways we are equipped to have a great Monday and then Monday is not just for ourselves. It's really to be living out our primary calling to follow you. So Lord, would you do a work in our hearts? Would you open up our eyes? Would you speak into areas in our lives where maybe we've just sort of, I don't know, Lord, become a little complacent, indifferent to Sunday, downplayed the value and the importance of it? Lord, I ask that you would redeem that. May these times together be a time when we really do draw near to you, where our hope is renewed, our bucket is filled, and we stir up one another for love and good deeds to be reminded again of the gospel and the mission. So Lord, would you speak to us now? Would your spirit grace us with your presence? Would you heal hearts, rekindle hope, Lord, we, we approach this time of worship with our hands open. Speak, Lord.
we're listening. In Christ's name.